Hello and welcome to Discussions in Tunbridge Wells, the podcast from the Salomon Centre for Applied Psychology in Kent. My name is John McGowan and I'm a psychologist in the centre. Now this week uh, might not have escaped your notice that in the UK you could fairly say that we are on the cusp of a really huge change. Uh, As we record, which is the 8th of March, we're scheduled to formally leave the European Union at the end of this month. Now clearly there are many twists and turns still left in this whole saga. There are some more votes in Parliament next Tuesday. We keep expecting those to be the decisive ones uh, and they never seem to turn out to be. People are still arguing about the date, uh, when we leave, the terms and when we leave, whether we'll leave at all, even seems to be still on the agenda. But we're not really going to talk about the politics of that today. Given the gravity of that change, we thought we'd try and discuss one particular aspect of it on our podcast namely the meaning that it has for people from other EU countries, we're still an EU country, other EU countries who have chosen to make their homes here in the UK. Now to help with this, I'm joined by our regular, Laura Lee. Morning, Laura. Hello. And also our colleague, Kate Foxwell, who it will become clear shortly, has done a bit of research on this. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, hi. Now, I'm also really, really thrilled that we have three of our very fine trainees who have joined us. I'll get them to introduce themselves and say where they're from because they are all citizens of EU nations, which are not the UK. The UK is still an EU nation, implausible though that seems at this moment. So can I just get you to introduce yourselves? I'm Ricardo and I'm a second year um, in the clinical psychology course and I was born in Rome. I'm, hello, I'm Sonia. I'm a third year trainee in the clinical psychology doctorate and I'm from Portugal. And I'm Julian, I'm also a third-year trainee and I'm from Germany. Well, I'm hoping that we will be able to hear... I know that um, some of you have lived in the UK uh, for a while, actually, and thus have experienced probably the whole sweep of this of this big change and the preamble to it. And I'm really hoping we can hear a bit more about that. But just to start off, Kate, I just wanted to turn to you first. You're the one who got us going on this particular recording. And... Our intention is really, I suppose, partly to start start by thinking about the research that you've been doing with people on the meaning of home. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? I mean, was it prompted by Brexit or was that just a, a happy or unhappy coincidence? Can you tell us a little bit more about the research and how you got into it? Sure. It was, yeah, as you say, a bit of an unhappy coincidence. Home and what it means, I think, is a fascinating topic that definitely I have grappled with, struggled with, lived for a few months in Spain. You know, I've, I've sort of had my own kind of tensions around what is this thing called home? And so it was from my own sort of experiences and interest that I had started thinking about trying to do a piece of research around this. As the ideas were developing, as I was um, having conversations with Virgil Jones and Sarah Stromeyer, who are colleagues here also, um, and part of the research team doing this piece of research, um, we hit... June 2016 and in all this sort of lead up and then and then just afterwards decided that actually such a massive socio-political context in which it would be having an impact on people's ability to think about and know whether or not UK could still be home for them would be a really important um, place to in which to in, in which to base the research. And so who have you spoken to? So um, we interviewed 10, 10 people from other EU, EU countries living in the UK. The sort of inclusion criteria were around people having lived in the UK for at least five years, one of which had they had to be involved with work. They could be from any EU country. The only sort of um, prerequisite was that they, they weren't already um, a British citizen. Um, as this was felt to kind of change the context of sort of security, etc. In the in the, so some of the changes which have occurred to the status of people in the UK. I was wondering. Now we've all had a, a bit of a, a look to just kind of you know verse ourselves on it, and I don't know why I'm particularly looking at you here, Julian. But I'm just wondering if one of you could just kind of talk us through what the changes have been, because it has been clear to me that the status of both. UK nationals living in the rest of the EU and other EU nationals living in the UK has been what used to be termed a bit of a political football. Not a phrase I've heard for a while, but that feels what it's like. It feels like it's been a kind of bargaining chip 
in the whole process. So does anyone feel confident enough to um, just talk us through what the changes have actually been, just so we're all kind of clear about that? Um, I can give a bit of an overview. Don't take this as uh, legal advice. checking. But I think where we are at the moment is um, that there is something called the settlement scheme. I'm really talking about EU citizens in this country because that's obviously um, what kind of applies to me. Um, and um, it's a scheme whereby people need to apply if you've lived here for five years um, and you fulfill certain <coughs> preconditions which are seemingly quite basic but I think um, the there is a there's a really good group called uh, the three million that represents EU citizens in this country have pointed out a whole range of issues um, which I think get increasingly complicated if you have family and so on but um, as it stands you can now apply for that it's now free they've scrapped the 65 pound um, fee um, and you should get funds relatively quickly. So I've done it and I've got settled status um, and I've done it as part of the trial. So I think they were probably um, not very busy with that. But um, as it stands, my status is now one of indefinite leave to remain. So I should more or less keep the same rights that I have at the moment. There are some caveats to that, um, but um, that's kind of where we are at the moment. Um, and I think people can still arrive in the transition period if there is a deal um, and can still apply for that. Is that your situation as well, Ricardo and Sonia? I haven't done anything, have you? Um, I haven't applied. I did look online um, even before uh, this. I tried to give it a try to the previous, before the pre-settlement status. Um, but I, I just gave up because the process seemed to be so complex before. Uh, I did see it, but to be honest, I've just been, for some reason, delaying it. And But I feel quite encouraged now, because mm-hmm. you, you seem to have a favourable opinion, so I feel maybe I'll go back tonight and do it. <laughs> I think it's worthwhile saying that, um, as I was saying, online and in various um, sort of action groups, um, there's lots of debate around that, so that's just my very own opinion. It was relatively straightforward for me. Other people have had lots of technical difficulties and practical difficulties, but yeah, so I think um, opinions very much differ on the scheme in terms of principle. But I think for me, um, I was probably quite pragmatic in the way um, that I did it. The, there is, I think, an issue in your case because you're German. Because if you, um, if Brexit does happen, um, if, the, if the UK leaves the EU before you can apply for citizenship in in Britain you're not going to be able to do it after because Germany, I think, doesn't accept dual citizen outside of the EU. Yeah, that's area. right. Yeah, um, There are some exceptions. I don't know if mm-hmm. there is going to be... Um, you can apply. You need to have a special um, application that you can still have it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's essentially right. Um, but, but I guess citizenship is another issue again, isn't that? Mm-hmm. Also around whether that, because I could technically, with settled status, remain in the country um, as it is um, and then citizenship would be an extra step, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. And I suppose part of this is that it's clear that from initially a very difficult position, as you were saying, Sonia, things have at least become e- easier. It sounds as if that is clearly not uncontentious, but I guess it's also partly, you know, the bigger issue maybe in this context, maybe just the bigger issue generally is how it feels, really. This is this is quite a big moment in UK history, I think. It's a huge moment in UK yeah. history, and I think some people have been profoundly affected by the vote. British citizens have been profoundly affected by the vote. Personally, it's changed my perspective on what I thought was my home. I think... For a lot of people, there's a sense of dislocation. Home is not only a place, but it's also a sense of feeling. It's the people, it's the political and media climate. And something changed around that vote. Uh, And for myself personally, I feel I'm still negotiating what that means. But I don't feel tied to my old sense of home that I had before the vote. It, it threw up things about this country that I was surprised about and sad about, actually. So it's, it's had a profound effect on me. And it has a profound effect, I think, on my relationships. It's such a touchy subject to talk about. In fact, people don't talk about it. People joke about it now, which is one step improved from when people didn't even dare joke about it. 
but it's still such a touchy issue. I, I'm, I mean, hearing you and your experience about the vote um, about two years ago also made me remember when I was in my placement, um, actually, there were an increase in referrals to psychology, uh, and that was from both EU citizens, um, British or not. So I think that that uncertainty about the future uh, in the UK as well for everyone seemed to cause some problems to, to people. It brings a lot of issues and concerns about the present and the future. So um, we, ha we had some discussions around that time in our service about uh, this increase in, in referrals that people were struggling to come to terms with the, the referendum mm -hmm. outcome. I think it's really interesting because um, obviously the research I did was very much you know, hearing the perspectives of people who are from other EU countries living in the UK and something that you, know, you, you sort of touched on sort of a, a sense of dislocation as a British system and just thinking about that sort of, you know, that, that, you know, that across the boardness, whether British or, or from another EU country, obviously that's not the same, you know, at all levels there there will be people who feel very differently about about brexit um, but that idea about sort of our sense of security and um, attachment to what we perceive or what we had thought was um, was home I think you know it's a really interesting point that you raised in the research there were many who felt very you know very very differently about the UK overnight you know with with the outcome of that vote overnight, it no longer felt like home for people um, because the participants in my study were talking about just no longer feeling wanted, no longer feeling valued, um, you know, feeling a, a sense of injustice, feeling a sense of being done to or vulnerability. Not, not everyone. Some did feel much more, more secure, perceiving themselves not as, not as migrants. They'd been here for many years and didn't perceive themselves as vulnerable. But generally there seems as though, there, you know, from the research, that there was a real sort of, you know, quite kind of cosmic shift in people's feelings around the UK. Obviously the research is only coming from people's perspectives from other EU countries, but I think it's really interesting what you say, Laura, about that could also be the same for people in the UK, um, British citizens have always lived in the UK. My experience is that um, the, the people did have an overnight shift and even for the people who feel that it's the, the right way, and I guess you've already worked out which way I voted, um, but even for people who feel that Brexit is right, I think there's been a sort of sense of, oh, something, something has changed. It is a dramatic shift and it's a dramatic shift politically. Uh, we've been in in the EU for decades now and I think I don't I, I suppose where I feel now is I don't know where I am I don't know where I am I, for me home fundamentally is a sense of place you know the geographical landscape the the woods and trees that we're so fortunate to have around here um, that I enjoy the buildings the towns um, so I feel attached to that but I feel like I've lost some bearings around what we stood for or what we where we're intending to go and what we mean um, and that's the bit that's got lost but I wonder what what home means to the three of you who come from other sense of place is it the geography is it what is it that makes somewhere a home I think um, for me um, I've always grown up Growing up in Germany, particularly with, with sort of German history and being born in, in, in the year that the Berlin Wall came down, there was always a sense that the EU identity trumps any national identity. And, and when I moved from Germany to the UK about 10 years ago, I, I was moving country, but it didn't feel like I was leaving home because it was another country in the EU and it was a bit like moving to another town. And that's and that's really changed, um, I think, over the years. And, and now, as um, Katie, you were just recalling sort of the overnight change um, with the Brexit referendum. I was just thinking back to, in the build up to the Brexit referendum, driving to work um, and working at the time in an area that was overwhelmingly leave voting, um, and seeing signs up on my commute to work, and actually having really strong feelings about that and driving and feeling quite anxious and panicked and knowing where the signs would be that would say would leave and not being able to look at the signs and having a real sense of being threatened and, and waking up on, on the morning of the result and 
feeling the whole world has just collapsed. Um, and feelings have changed since then. I think um, I've probably moved away from a feeling of anxiety more to feeling of more sadness, I think, and anger. Um, and uh, a little bit of a feeling of, well, I'm still part of the EU and maybe this hurts other people much more than it hurts me because I can go back and I can live in all these other countries. So, yeah, but I think there's less of a sense of home and I think I've, I've gone back a bit more thinking, well, I'm, I'm an EU citizen and I'm German rather than that not being very important to my identity. I think it has become hugely important and I think what you were saying, it really... Um, it shifted divisions in society. Um, I think people might have identified maybe voting Conservative, voting Labour. Now there are new lines that are drawn along the along the Brexit vote within families, within the political landscape, and I think it's hugely shifted who we kind of ally to. I was reading about the Reformation the other day, and that struck me as a very interesting parallel as a yes. project where a, sort of a, a kind of European integration was breaking up, obviously that started in Germany, but I was thinking particularly about the period when the Reformation became consolidated in Britain was really in the reign of Queen Elizabeth and, you know, there were effectively secret police and people weren't allowed to celebrate, uh, you know, Catholic Mass and things, you know, and that not only was it this enormous break with what had been not for 40 years but for, you know, a thousand years but also it was about you know, eternal damnation and souls, really. So, I mean, maybe the stakes felt a little higher. But I suppose also that then that made me think a little bit, and this is partly connected to, to do with coming from Scotland as well, actually, which I'll come to in a minute. But the sense that Britain, the way you're couching it, Laura, it feels a little bit like Britain's kind of unique in the EU, and I don't think it is. I think actually there's an argument that Britain is kind of, a, you know, actually enacting something that's actually happening elsewhere too. Yes. That actually puts this project for all, you know, for its rights and its wrongs under some threat. I was reading the other day, you know, we don't necessarily seem to have a right-wing populist party in Britain in quite the way that we do, quite the way we do, say, in France or Italy. And often I hear argued, Ricardo, that the main threat to the EU going forward is not actually Britain at all, but the fact that Italy has it has got a quite radical kind of alt-left, alt-right kind of populist mm. government, which seems to be kind of at loggerheads mm. with France. Also Germany, Julian, the, you know, Anglo Merkel, who made this, you know, big decision to take in, um, you know, refugees mm. and asylum seekers, it seems to have almost fatally weakened the position of her and her party. And so is this change bigger? That's really, a, that's a really good point. In a way, the the feelings that that sort of brought Brexit to happen are actually very European feelings. Like they're they're very um, contemporary. It's it's their feelings that are that are present um, in in many countries in Europe, if not all of them. Uh, so that's I think a really interesting and ironic point in a way. The fact that uh, this kind of uh, tendency to to separate and the, the this. this uh, Revival of uh, insularity, of, of kind of, of nationalism, um, uh, is is actually uh, kind of a European thing at the moment. But th does does that change something? I mean, I have to say, I have lived in England for twenty five years, but the resurgence of nationalism in Scotland really changed something for me. It really changed my sense of home, actually, which felt as if it felt very British, and all of a sudden I was kind of being told that this wasn't okay, and. It, I was aware that I felt something was being taken away. And I suppose in some ways that's what you're saying as well. I suppose if I had to say, you know, you asked about feelings, my feeling is of loss. And it's of loss, I think, because I have lived in, uh, you know, I'm approaching my 60s, a terrible thing to say, but I am. Um, I've lived in peace in Europe uh, all, my all my adult life. And that's, that's my, I, I think that the EU had something to do with that. And its vision for peace in Europe was really important. So there are some things, some beliefs behind uh, that sense of loss. Just wondering what does the future bring? How are we going to relate to each other? And actually something about wondering about this idea that we don't need to relate to each other. And it's okay to be insular because 
I'm not sure that's the way that people survive, but we are at a great moment of political shifting, and I like the way you've made that analogy of the Reformation. It was profoundly different for people living their lives just a hundred years previously. So I wonder where this is taking us, you know, what profound differences it's going to make. Or maybe it'll all be fudged and we'll all settle down again. But for me, something really important shifted and I'm still awaiting what comes from it, but grappling with this sense of loss around a deeply held idea of home. It is a huge moment. It's strange at the moment of such gravity that we also sometimes seem to be terribly bored with the amount of news that we're getting. Yes. One of my kids visited Parliament the other week and, um, you know, this would be, you tell your grandchildren, you know, this is like visiting Parliament in 1939 or 1648, you know, the King Charles lost his head, you know, or something, you know, this is a big moment. Oh, yeah, kind of boring. And, you know, well, isn't it so, interesting that we're coping yeah. with it by being bored? and a few people joking about it. So that seems to be the overwhelming sort of uh, view that people are now taking. Let's just get it fixed. But actually, we can't fix... Well, we don't know what's going to happen, but this big change that's happened within us, I'm not sure it can be fixed in that way. We're going on to something new. And I guess for you as EU citizens, you're going into a new relationship with whatever we end up with. And it sounds like some two of you haven't quite decided what that relationship is because you... Well, because no one really knows. No. And we don't know that it's actually going to happen. And I, I just... I kind of have... I'm a white European man. I have a diehard sense of entitlement. I cannot believe that, you know, my my, my rights are going to be stripped of me. So I'm, I'm just like, yeah, you know, do whatever you want. I'm just like... We'll see. Thanks for naming that. That one's great. I love that. I can relate to that sense of loss. Um, and for me, it kind of coming to, to the UK, I lived, um, well, I, I lived most of my life in Portugal where I was born. Then I lived for a year in Finland where I had my first experience of having a different home for a year, but then went back to Portugal again. And then coming to England was actually a more kind of long-term decision where I was I was still testing the waters and see if I liked it. But I, the reasons I chose these two European countries to go was actually that trust that I had that I was within Europe. And I, and there, I felt it was almost like I could um, change my mind if I needed and when I needed, and that would be okay. And with this... Um, with the Brexit happening, then I, I did get a sense of loss of that chance, loss of that opportunity in the future. What, well, it might happen, it might not, we, we don't know, but kind of that made me question that did I make the right decision back then? That was about 12 years ago. But I still, I still feel I did because I enjoyed the 12 years that I've lived here. And in terms of what, what home means to me, it's, it's interesting because I think the first three Three to five years, I felt home was more Portugal and England uh, was a different type of home. And with time, it started to shift the other way around. So now I do identify a lot more being home here and Portugal being almost like my secondary home. And didn't, it didn't change with the Brexit referendum. Um, my feelings and my views on that. Actually, I, I still very much want to live here permanently and probably I'll apply tonight. But it is interesting. I mean, what, what you what you say, Sonia, really does sort of resonate with some of the narratives that I was hearing, this sense of sort of making a move, but sort of kind of holding open the door to return. Should that be needed which I think probably you know most of us when we make really massive decisions hope that there's a chance of being able to undo them should we need to but there's you know it sounds from your story and perhaps some of the stories that I was hearing that you know being within Europe and I think you were touching on it as well Julie you know it 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 felt like something where there was security and safety in that move which perhaps enabled it and that you know it was it's a process of of time that allows a new country, a new place to feel like home. And, you know, I was hearing what you were saying, Laura, about, you know, for you, it is, home is about place, it's about the environment. Again, this sort of sense of connection to environment, I think, is really fascinating. And that did emerge from the research. But but it seemed as though there were potentially multiple factors and perhaps different for different people. But 
the sense of sort of, you know, being able to have the life that one hopes for, you know, a sense of self-actualization that we can see a future in a place because we can see that the, you know, the career that we hope for might be possible or, you know, we're developing relationships, significant relationships, you know, partners, children, all the rest of it. We're, you know, we've got a, you know, a, a physical home which grounds us. These are all things that seem to enable people to feel that they could, yeah, that they, that they could see that the UK could be home, but that needed to happen within a context of feeling, as we've already sort of said, safe, secure, feeling wanted, feeling a sense of belonging. And, you know, really interesting your point that actually for you, it hasn't shifted where you want to be, but potentially it has raised some some questions because it was also about you know I guess people's sense of kind of security and belonging is also about the sense in which people feel affiliated with the values that seem prominent or prevalent within the context in which they live and and you know and potentially there's regional differences well we know there's regional differences which might have an impact as well many of my participants were from from London obviously very much of Remain <laughs> a city of Remain mm. so then there might be kind of differences based on where people are located within the UK. But I wonder whether some of the people who who voted out, and I can't speak for them, um, although I've had conversations, whether their sense of home felt threatened, and that's one of the reasons why people mm. voted out, because of the issues around migrants. And also, I was so interested in what you said about feeling you were an EU citizen before you were a German citizen. And I think I held the two together, and I do feel... Someone has deprived me of a citizenship, but it is a citizenship. Mm. I've always been British first. But I think there are probably many British people, or certainly English people, who have never considered themselves really to be EU citizens. They've had the passport, but this big issue about our passport, it's sort of symbolic, isn't it? You know, we want our blue passport back. We want it to be what it was before. Uh, And there's some ideal being held in mind by people when they think about home that profoundly affects us and is deep within our nature and maybe um, people have felt their their home has been threatened but also many other things have been tied to this issue with home that we can't take ourselves outside outside the political agenda and the media agenda that has been driven as part of what has happened here. What do you mean, Laura? Well, I I think issues around home are really important, in perhaps in the way people have voted and about what happened afterwards. But there are also other very important things happening. There are political agendas that are profound in relation, I think, to... Brexit and there are media questions about the media around Brexit and what's happened. We, um, we, I don't think we'll ever know the truth of what happened, but those media campaigns um, offering, you know, 350 million to the NHS, and somehow somebody's got away with that. And we know 350 million to the NHS isn't going to happen. The, I, I really, dis- I really dispute the impact of these actually. It seems to me that when you look at the data around what drove the referendum, it's all about democracy and control. All about, rightly or wrongly, the EU is seen as a vehicle for that. The UK is seen as a vehicle for that by Scotland. The EU is seen as a vehicle for that by, you know, in the UK vote. And people lie their heads off in every election. You know, they lie their heads off in every election. They exaggerate, they obfuscate, they make, they make promises. But something has kind of happened now to do with a kind of sense of control. But wasn't there something about Cambridge Analytics as well? Well, there was, yes. And then funding from Russia to UK, like all these kinds of... all sorts of things uh, have been in the press and the media, and we we don't know the truth of it. Um, It's really interesting that this isolationist sort of thing that I suspect that some countries are beginning to move towards, well, isolationist is too strong. Is it isolationist or is it about wanting a perception of control on a different scale or a different level? Well, yes, but it's interesting, isn't it? That, That sense of, you know, we just have to find our borders and and guard them maybe is something happening but at the same time we are becoming so interconnected Mm. via our smartphones which all of us are probably picking up 30 40 times a day and in there we've got feeds coming in that are 
well, where are they coming from? They're not coming from within our borders. They're coming from the world outside. So there's this funny sort of um, thing going on where in one sense we're more connected and in another sense we're wanting to go, no, this is our home and this is what I stand for and these are my values and please, you know, I want to keep those. So it's some really interesting things going on in terms of where we are in history at the moment. Mm. Which does feel like it's beyond. I mean, you touched earlier, Ricardo, on you know it being a very you know something that's present and prevalent throughout Europe. And I mean, I sort of say you know globally, sort of you know, many participants talked about Trump and walls being built, and you know obviously what's mm. happening in South America. You know, you know, it feels as though you know, and I don't know is this is this a unique moment in time when there is this growing separatist mindset that seems to be a bit of a global phenomenon. I mean. I'm sure there are countries where perhaps that doesn't feel quite so so prominent. But, you know, it's just like, is is this a unique moment in time? Or are we sort of experiencing something that has been experienced many times over, but it is apparent now with, with, the, with the Brexit vote? I think Puerto Rico still wants to join the United States. So, you know, that's <laughs> it's one, one country. <laughs> and, and it's really interesting, Kate, what you said about um, that, because... One thing I've noticed is, for me, I think if I am to describe a feeling about the whole process is sadness from the day number one. And the reason is uh, I saw a disconnect, completely disconnect, of people in here, in the UK. So even without thinking about what's happening outside of here, um, that overnight change and uh, split into the society between you are either a remainer or a leaver, what about the in-between people? No, no one actually. I, I, at least I haven't heard anyone talking about those. But it's hard I, to be an in-between person <laughs> in the world yeah. of Twitter, where you're, yeah. you know, one thing or an, or another on every issue, every five minutes. It seems actually. Yeah, but then I saw kind of you, you had to be one or the other, and and people asking me how I felt about it and what was my position. I felt quite threatened about that. And that's exactly the opposite feeling when I arrived in the UK to live and work and study. <laughs> I did the three things at once. <laughs> and it was exactly the opposite. People were very welcoming. And uh, uh, every time I said I was Portuguese, I felt very, very embraced by everyone. So I, I didn't get that feeling in the air, that split in, in the kind of that sense. And then with the referendum, all of a the sudden they start questioning all these Feelings. So for me, I felt really sad to see that effect on me, but also on everyone, whether they want to stay or leave. So have you, how, how, how is your experience of living here now changed? Does it, you're talking about feeling a bit threatened, you know, does it make a difference to when you walk down the street and, you know, how you sort of approach your everyday life? Is it, is it, does it feel different? Um, and um, to be honest, I think for me directly, I have been actually a bit disconnected from it. I think that's the way I'm coping with it. The, the, the only thing that concerns me, what it might mean for my daughter, because I have a three-year-old daughter who, and hopefully my plan is to stay here and live forever, and I'm thinking what, what impact that might have mm. on these changes for her. And I think I'm probably more concerned with that than with myself. So I think... With all this uncertainty, because nothing is resolved, I just, in a way, disconnected from it and just put it aside until yes. the things are decided. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just sorry. I just wanted to. Um, I was just thinking about um, sort of, I guess, people who might not be so represented here, but perhaps people who, who voted out. But also, I was also thinking about um, sort of people from the, the newer EU countries having who, who joined European countries who joined the EU, sort of from more sort of Eastern and Central European countries, and just that sense of, I think it's. What, what I experienced from the narratives in in the research I did was was this sort of real sense of difference particularly for those from from the eu 15 those who've been in the um eu for for longer of sort of a sudden shift in terms of how how they were perceived those who were from the newer eu countries talked more about sort of a sense of discrimination even prior and feeling different so i guess just wanted just to acknowledge something too about that mm. how we sort of integrate in society how we feel at home etc is also about the context of the receiving society and that those differences were 
there prior to and and post and just yeah that I don't know there's just something important to say about that sense of perhaps we've kind of felt as though we've been all-inclusive um, but actually yes that Brexit is a symptom of those beliefs that were underlying that a, just a, been a lot of disenfranchised people a lot of people feeling uh, this is not what I want that I'm angry yeah. I mean we could be just in having this podcast we could be said to be speaking from our own well we are speaking from our own cultural context and we don't know the context of people who are living well, let's take the northeast for example mm-hmm. and living a different life mm-hmm. and i think it's really interesting that you know we are all we're all in jobs we're all mm-hmm. sitting here having this conversation this morning it's a very different place to speak from mm-hmm. for those who perhaps you know aren't able to find work or have found that uh, migration has affected them in ways that they don't like mm-hmm. so there's something here about us actually not knowing our own home mm-hmm. that's what i one of the things i felt mm-hmm. i didn't know my own home i didn't know that there were people who felt so strongly that the eu wasn't right for us and i i I've had some small conversations with people where they they there's been a issue about the democratic accountability of the EU seems to have been one thing. I think this idea of migration threatening home has been another thing. You hear on the media that there are people who were angry and just had it as a protest vote, but I I think that that might not be true for a lot of people. But who who knows? We've half the population, more than half the population have done something that I don't understand and that was such a shock to me because I thought I'm just an ordinary citizen of this country I must have some feeling for well I do have fellow feeling for my for my other british people but I don't know them because they're say, seeing things so very differently so that was a real eye opener for me that you know my my idea of myself in this country is different now I I can't speak for the, for people they have a very different view. The strengths and weaknesses of referendums are in complex issues partly as well. I, I wanted to ask you, Kate, something that you, you prompted me to, I've been thinking about for the last couple of minutes, uh, Sonia, which is just a sense that I came here to live from Scotland. Now, obviously, Scotland is in the UK, but there, there's a sort of migration in that. And I had always felt okay about the sort of difference in my identity being the, you know, yeah, the Scottish guy down the corridor or whatever and, you know, cheering for Scotland in football or Andy Murray or whatever, you know, whatever it would be. But actually, since the Scottish independence referendum in 2014, I kind of feel much less comfortable with that. I feel much less comfortable with emphasising the differences because it feels like the stakes are all of a sudden massively higher in the sense of, you know, the UK, which has been around for 300 years, actually splitting apart. And I I was just wondering about that, I suppose, for all of you, and in in the context of the research, is it less, and I'm aware of what you said about being, you know, a white man who's in the title card, but is it less okay to kind of hold the differences in a way that can feel all right? Is that less all right? About actually sort of naming and voicing where you're Naming and voicing them. Cheering for Germany in football, <laughs> one of England's many, many old special rivalries. There seem to be so many. <laughs> um, um, but you know, is yeah. it? Is it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I use those kind of exa- you know those, those kind of cultural examples, but it felt kind of okay. It felt okay to have a bit of kind of rough, tufty Scottish English. You know, the Battle of Culloden. You know, whatever. It felt okay to sort of you know, but it doesn't feel okay anymore. Not to me, anyway. And I, I and I wondered if that might feel much more so. Um, given that, that, say, the stakes have just been kind of raised. Well, I mean, I, I would, yeah, I'd really like to pass it over to 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 those of you um, who might, you know, have a personal experience on that. Just in terms of the research, um, there was an interesting thing that came out of people talking about being a, uh, being a, a guest in the UK. That was quite that was quite a, a sort of a theme that came out, and this was prior to this was you know a theme that came kind of prior to the. Um, part of the referendum so it wasn't you know it wasn't a universal theme some some very much kind of didn't sort of hold a sense that that yeah they were different you know they were from the eu therefore why not but but some especially sort of one especially one of the older um, participants had an idea that you know 
he was a guest in the UK um, and therefore um, there were certain, you know, ways in which he he needed to behave. And actually this idea of being almost like a sort of a, a, a good, in inverted commas, um, a good migrant, you know, fitting in, um, proving worth, you know, not taking, giving to, you know, giving to the economy, giving to the um the people, you know, not trying to significantly change the culture. That idea of trying not to be too different, I found to be a thing that was there for many prior to prior to the referendum. Many were sort of saying, well, I am as I am. And it was very apparent, you know, where they were from and, and whatever. And they were sort of prou- proud of that, but trying not to, in some ways, have a really big influence. And there was a, an awareness of kind of assimilation, acculturation um, into into society there wasn't a particular theme that emerged in terms of um people behaving differently having to i didn't hear things about sort of people having to sort of try to hide where they were from i think that's quite tricky but definitely an, an awareness of um there were narratives around greater incidents of prejudice etc that have been encountered experienced since um, the referendum so i think yeah people are, were more aware whether or not they did something differently i'm not i'm not quite sure I think um, one thing that's been touched upon in conversations, which has been quite a big thing for me, is also working or being employed by the NHS um, and actually uh, thinking about the NHS as an institution that doesn't exist in this form in Germany. And, and I guess by um, applying for training and doing the training course, I've kind of subscribed to working in this way. And you've talked about returning and leaving the door um, kind of t- to go back open, which is quite hard because I think just very practically in terms of transferring qualifications, that becomes much more difficult if both countries are not in the EU. So I've committed to something um, and, and the bridges have partly been burned for me by someone else without my decision. But also, I think for me personally, um, I'd be quite interested to hear how other people feel, but um, making a decision to work for the National Health Service is something that has a lot to do with values and belief. I could have quite easily probably done something else um, maybe been better off kind of personally, but there is, there is something of a sacrifice that, that, um, I think I made, uh, because I believed in what the NHS stood for. And it feels at the moment the values that the NHS, um, is built on, um, it's been created quite shortly after the Second World War, where maybe that sense of kind of EU that you talked about, Laura, about, um, kind of keeping the peace, uh, has been much more around. And it feels like the NHS now is quite at odds with the values that are being kind of perpetuated by the Brexit vote and by what's happening in government. Um, and I think it, it's got quite big implications for my own thinking about my career. And in, is, is this still an organization I want to work for, given that it caters for the people in the country that seems to shift quite a lot in its values? Um, and sometimes it's quite hard to keep in mind that half the people have voted remain because um, the government represents the people and the government is, 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 you know, certainly moving in a, in direction of, of Brexit isolation, uh, maybe privatization as well. Um, and sometimes feeling, well, maybe, maybe the, the, this is not a sacrifice I'm no longer willing to make. Um, and, but having committed to that in, to some extent, it's not quite as easy to leave that. Um, the, the question for me though remains kind of okay so where do you move to where those values aren't there mm, because mm. we were just discussing at the very beginning that actually these are shifts that are happening mm. pretty much yeah, um, yeah, yeah. everywhere in Europe and in, in, in the western world and uh, and so yeah where, where, mm. you know, where would you mm. move to? like you move back to Germany the AFD came mm. to the Bundestag in 2017 yeah, yeah. it's like it's massive it's a third uh, it's an extreme right party yeah. um, you know th- those are in a way similar values to mm. uh, to you keep mm. nowadays same thing in Italy um, it, it's it, it's kind of uh, I, I think in a way there are kind of bigger questions that are um, we, I think, in Europe have to grapple with. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and how do you still abide to those values and, and kind of, uh, and work for those values that, um, uh, that we identify in? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how do you, do you position yourself so mm-hmm. that you can, uh, still, still, uh, sort of live those values. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a difficult question, and I think a, a difficult question that uh, NHS employees have been um, having to bridge and and kind of find solutions for mm. in in the last you know twenty years. As, yeah. As, uh, 
as things become more and more liberalized and you know and it's all about targets and mm. and you know we we bridge gaps with our bodies mm-hmm. in a way and yeah. i think this is, is absolutely a similar circumstance yeah and and partly the reason why and i think you're absolutely right it's not like um, these values or systems exist very easily elsewhere that i could just go there and i think that is part of the sort of difficult question and and one of the reasons i actually stayed in the uk and studied psychology here and and tried to you know work towards getting on the doctorate is because that didn't exist in germany and if it did i might have not stayed in this country so there there, there is there's been commitment and i guess in the sort of a saying this is where I want to remain because this is where people are working in a way that makes sense to me and that's in line with my values um, but that's shifted since I've made the commitment um, and equally there's nowhere else that's easy to go and I think yeah that questions I'm still grappling with and, and, and yeah quite unsure about how my career would look like or where it would even take place um, I was just um, just kind of hearing you, uh, Julian, is, yeah, it's, it, it sounds quite difficult actually, uh, kind of having to deal with, with those emotions. It, so it's really interesting because the, the way I look at the NHS and, and working is since I moved, since day number one actually, um, I felt I, I was working the NHS straight away and I actually felt so welcomed by the NHS and those values that you, you mentioned. and. With throughout all the years working for the NHS, I think I got a relationship, a close relationship with the system, I guess. Um, and and, and I, I, what I'm feeling now, to be honest, is is a sense of compassion, almost like reminding myself when I needed, actually, I felt I was so supported and kind of me thinking, is it really fair to think that all of a sudden overnight it changed completely? I don't think it did, and probably these values were there for, for much before than I than I moved here. So I kind of just accepted in a way that um, nothing's going to be perfect. And I come from Portugal, where it's really difficult because things don't work and systems are really bad. So actually, anything here would be a, a massive progress. So in comparison, it's quite different from probably from other countries in Europe. So I just had this sense of compassion actually still and um, and I, I think that didn't break it for me, <laughs> the, the Brexit, but I, I understand what you're saying and the kind of sense of the changes that are happening as well. Uh, and, and it's not just the Brexit, but as you said, uh, kind of towards privatization and kind of what that might mean and, and the values is it's quite different uh, from, it, from it, 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 it is very interesting because I have a, a, a belief that the NHS is almost our home if you ask what does every single citizen in this country have it is the NHS mm. and it, we have the NHS as our most vulnerable points in time and even for those who use private medicine or those who've had a bad experience it's still there it's still part of who we are in this country so it's really interesting that it's within the NHS that we're you know people are experiencing these this shifting in what home is and uh, and but it's been there for the people that had access to it, i.e., EU citizens and British citizens. There actually there is a contingency of people that doesn't and never had access to it. I guess that's true. And I guess the, maybe if there is a good thing about Brexit is the fact that now, uh, as as my rights are threatened in a way, we are starting to talk about non citizenshipness and what it means to lose those rights and. Um, and I guess th- th- there, were, there were some people um, uh, that controversially said that Trump was the best thing that happened to the US because it meant that it would, in the long term, activate progressive forces and, and resistance. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I wonder whether, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Brexit could be that for the UK and, and for Europe in some, in some way. The fact that then you, you do start talking about what it means not to have... You know, it's very difficult for a European to imagine what it must be to be a refugee mm-hmm. and to come to Europe and not yeah. have rights and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, mm. um, be shot at as you're trying to uh, mm. cross the border. So uh, I, I guess, yeah, 
I guess there are some Europeans like ex Yugoslavia, um, the ex uh, citizens of ex Yugoslavia that might have a, an idea of what that might feel. But, but for us, generally speaking, Europeans, that's not something that we have experienced in the last few decades. So maybe there is something good in it. Mm. Um, I think it's really interesting because, um, points, um, just, just to kind of go back, you said, Julian, about sort of actually the door isn't sort of open anymore. And, and just to kind of clarify that, that sort of was a theme emerging when people were sort of first, first coming over mm. the country that actually once people had sort of, as you talked about, invested, mm. Mm. that it wasn't just as simple as kind of going, going back. Um, but this idea that, you know, and, and what you were just talking about, Ricardo, of sort of actually having, you know, a real sense of empathy um, and touching on your point about sort of, you know, sense of co- compassion, you know, real having a sense of understanding of what it might be like for people who don't have, yeah, the choices, the rights, etc. that that many of us have, have in this room have, have experienced. But something, again, interesting in terms of the literature talks about home as being potentially unsettled um, or unmade. There being a distinction between the two, unsettling being sort of, yeah, our feelings around home have, have you know, there's a wavering, etc. Um, but, you know, a sense of still wanting to commit or whatever and unmaking being actually this is beyond what is possible to kind of live with and, and leaving. But you're talking, it seems, about a sense of actually really kind of getting in touch with the, the unsettlingness of rights being called into question and having to consider things that perhaps haven't been considered before, potentially. Mm. And on that, on that note, we're certainly at a point of being incredibly unsettled. However, on that note, we will have to um, finish in kind of irresolution <laughs> but the whole that is the whole thing really is that we go on in this sort of sense of things being un, unresolved which feels like a huge part of it so at this point I'll just wind up by saying the best way to follow the podcast is to subscribe you can do that on usually most uh, podcast um, apps of your choice uh, you can also follow us on Facebook on and Twitter uh, on uh, CCCU a double P P S Y. And all that remains for me to say is just to thank our guests. Thank you all of you. Really so great that you were able to uh, come and talk so fully about that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll hopefully be back soon.